0: Bruh. Bruh. Underdog currently has Dalvin Cook and his rushing total for tonight's game against the Chicago Bears at 93.5 rushing yards. 93.5. There's no Alexander Madison. There are literally no Chicago Bears players playing in this game tonight. Dalvin Cook looked about as good as he has looked on a football field in a year and a half last week. We thought he was going to be limited with the shoulder injury. Comes out and it was like he was in a circus, bro. He just got shot out of a fucking cannon. It was beautiful. It was just as a, a pure football fan, life is better when Dalvin Cook is on the field. And tonight against the Chicago Bears, Dalvin Cook will get no fewer than 27 carries on the ground. I will say, There is one small caveat that makes me a little bit nervous about this line, which is why I'm going to give you a secondary line. We're going to go with an option A and an option B. If this happens, then we pivot to this. Okay. So Dalvin Cook's going in Chicago. 90% of Chicago's secondary is out for this week. Two players, two key players that will shift everything for Dalvin Cook tonight, Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith. Both of them are questionable for tonight's game. If they play... This might be a trap line. Akeem Hicks, Akeem Hicks somehow, somehow enters. He, he gets on the football field the same way Vince Wilfork enters an in and out. There will be nothing left to eat when they are done. There will be no holes left on that offensive line if Akeem Hicks is on the field, okay? Okay. Both of them are questionable. So we're going to keep a close eye on Roquan Smith. We're going to keep a close eye on Akeem Hicks. If those guys are out, Dalvin Cook might go for 900. They might, just, they might as well move the decimal over one spot to the right because this is the easiest. It, there couldn't be a number high enough where I wouldn't take it. But if those guys play, we might pivot over to Darnell Mooney, 51 and a half receiving yards. Okay, We saw what Darnell Mooney was when Allen Robinson was not on the field. And that was nothing short of, you know, a high-end wide receiver too. 130 yards here, 150 yards here. Yes, wasn't really with Justin Fields, but with and I expect them to have to throw the ball a ton and keep up with Minnesota's offense. Mooney's going to explode. All right? So I like those two picks. I like Cook over 93 and a half rushing yards. If Hakeem Hicks and Rokon Smith are outs. If they're not, then we pivoted to Mooney. If you're a fucking beast and you want to make up for all the money that we lost in yesterday's shitty fantasy games, we can take both of them, all right? Throw 20 down, you're going to win 60. And the best part about it is if you're a first-time depositor on Underdog Fantasy, the link is the first thing in the description, and you use promo code BDGE when you deposit, you're going to get a 100% deposit match, all right? Go hit up Underdog Fantasy. Let's get into the games. These were This was like the worst week of football to watch, this was my least favorite week of football to watch, possibly ever. It might have been because I was streaming with Animal and One Chains and Tony. Like anytime you need to spend more than like twenty minutes together with that group of people, it's going to be a, a negative, you know, a, a negative ROI experience. Six hours with them, I, you know, I'm not going to use the S word, but there were some some negative thoughts going through my mind at the end of it. Just an awful viewing experience yesterday for football. Someone said it well on Twitter. Basically, I think J.J. Zacharyson tweeted this out. He was like, next next year, just make sure that when you get into the fantasy playoffs, you bench everyone that helped you get there. That was the way it went this week, outside of probably Jonathan Taylor, which is why we're going to kick it off with the Colts and Patriots Saturday night game. I need to go get some matches real quick. As you can see, I'm in a, a wild energy mood right now, mostly negative, so... We're going to get some positive fucking vibes going. Let's light up some Palo Santo. Bitches love Palo Santo. This one's nice and long and skinny. That's what she said. Hang. This is my playoff hopes prior to 4 p.m. At 4.10 p.m., this was them. Absolutely up in fucking smoke. Fuck my life. Fuck Joe Mixon and Corderell Patterson. And who else did I have? I don't know. No one. Like literally, no. Every single player on my team put up six points. No more. No less. No fewer. No greater. Six fucking points. Oh, Ramondre Stevenson. He is the other running back I had in my lineups. All right, we're going game by game. Everything that happened in Week 15 up to this point. We're going to look at some early Week 16 waiver wire uh, players. There are a lot of a lot of heavy duty pickups this week. Actually, this is one of the more exciting waiver wire um weeks and since everyone probably has zero dollars left to bid i mean you know there's only four teams left and there's like six good pickups so you're gonna get at least one or two of these guys the question becomes who are we gonna pick up in what order all right tomorrow's video will be the waiver wire in-depth video every tuesday morning so make sure you subscribe to the channel if you are not already let's uh let's get into the games. Started off with the Patriots and the Colts game, and this was uh, disgusting on just about every single front. Carson Wentz, I mean, this was, this was my, uh, I think I talked about it in some video last week where it was like if Damian Harris is out, like we feel really good about both running backs. However, one of them is probably going to catch a short end of the stick because both of these teams are very clear in what they want to do with the football, and it's run it and, run it and run it and run it and run it and, you know, chew up the clock. So when you have two teams trying to do the same thing, like there's going to be no, uh, time of possession to be had in favor of like fantasy points here. And the Colts were the ones that came away victorious here. Jonathan Taylor running the ball 29 times. He obviously broke away that 67 yard touchdown run, which capped it. And like, yeah, man, I know uh, everyone's like, uh, no fucking running back should be an MVP conversation. But motherfucking Jonathan Taylor absolutely deserves to be in this conversation. Here's the th- if they were trotting out Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines every single week, this team would probably be like, three and 11 right now four and 10 five and nine at best right jonathan taylor is a whole nother type of species so jonathan taylor clear rb1 clear rb overall player in dynasty in my opinion right now he's the one i want on my team regardless of fucking format uh just so 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 good on the flip side of things super disappointing from ramondre stevenson it's just like it's similar to the cincinnati situation where it's like you have joe mixon and you know he's a stellar athlete but for one reason or another you're like a fucking robot and you have this need to just pigeonhole some some player into the Gio Bernard role, some player into the James White role even though they're like not that good as pass catchers. They're just players but you need to have a separate guy. Stevenson's been so good through the air this year that I thought, you know, it was like as soon as it went to like third and anything above third and 3, he was off the field. Anytime it was more than 10 yards to go whether it was first, second, fucking down, he, he got pulled off the field, so didn't get the opportunities in the passing game, which is you know disappointing because he's been super versatile up to this point. Probably expect Harris back for this next game because he was limited at practice all season. I mean, all week they get the Buffalo Bills, who are not the same defense that we really need to be worried about that we had been for a while. So, you know, depending on who is back for this one, um, if Damian Harris is back, Ramondre Stevenson is probably not playable in your lineup. I would think about playing Damian Harris, depending on what his like practice schedule looks like this week. Hunter Henry had a nice little bounce back game, six for 77 and two touchdowns. Uh, Mac threw the ball 45 times. So someone had to have kind of walked away, um, fed you know jacoby myers 12 targets so he's continuing to be a high volume guy but not making much out of it i'm okay starting hunter henry going forward uh probably nobody on the indianapolis side of things however i'd go back to michael pittman though i mean obviously terrible game he got thrown out of the game but he wasn't going to do anything otherwise jc jackson absolutely locked that man's up also mitch uh missed a long touchdown kind of immediately off the bat they play arizona next week at arizona so tough passing matchup despite how arizona played this week carolina Buffalo, uh, Cam was just so, 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 so bad at throwing the ball, which obviously impacts every player on this team. DJ Moore continues to get um a ton of targets, though. 11 targets, six catches, 48 yards, so kind of disappointing. The only other player that you were probably thinking about playing on Carolina's side of the ball was Chuba Hubbard. Eight carries, 40 yards, sees one target to Amir Abdullah's four targets. Carolina plays Tampa Bay next week and that run defense, so Chuba Hubbard becomes virtually unplayable. On the flip side of things, Josh Allen doesn't have a great day, but ends up going, um, finding pay dirt, finds a paint box three separate times through the air, 24 yards on the ground. So he was fine for you in a week where everybody else was absolutely terrible. So relatively speaking, he was kind of goaded. Uh, the the big takeaways here, a few big takeaways. Gabriel Davis was a big time waiver wire darling. Everyone loved him this week. No surprise there. Comes through, seven targets, five catches, 85 yards, and two touchdowns. Next week will be interesting because they play the Patriots. JC Jackson will likely be locked up on Stefan Diggs. Uh, Stefan Diggs continues to give you a nice floor with virtually no ceiling and it's pretty unfortunate but this should open up uh, a lot of looks for Mr. Gabriel Davis. So Gabriel Davis I think you can play as like a rock solid wide receiver three in your flex spot. Uh Let's see Devin Singletary was the other big takeaway here. He completely took over the backfield. 22 carries 86 yards and a touchdown on the ground catches his only target for 10 yards. So it was like Basically, his best game in, I don't know, as long as I can fucking remember. Um, And my short-term memory is absolutely shot, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say Devin Singletary has been fucking terrible for about a year and a half now. Uh, the problem with this, Singletary will be low on my... He will be low on my waiver wire target lists only because I, I, I think we have guys just this week in particular who will be able to give you a higher ceiling even if it's just for a week or two. Like, Singletary, the beat reporters came out and said that, like, They're comfortable having him as their running back one for the remainder of the season. And I think it's very clear, right? Zach Moss has been a healthy scratch. Matt Brady got one carry. So they're serious. The problem is, like, we've been playing. We've been doing this sing and dance and whatever the fuck that phrase is for two and a half years now with Devin Singletary. Right. And every single time one of them has a good game, everybody likes to take a literally like a two quarter sample size and be like, yes, this is the guy now. So Singletary, sure, he might be the guy in this backfield. But would anyone be surprised if he goes 14 for fucking 33 with zero touchdowns on the ground next week? Not me. OK, so I'm not going to be playing him against New England next week unless I'm really, really, really desperate. And nobody's on a buy. So I can't imagine that many people are like super desperate, although there were a lot of running back injuries uh singletary will be lowly ranked the pro i mean not the problem but the thing to keep an eye on is after buffalo plays new england they play atlanta so if we see the same type of usage right you know maybe you want to gamble on devin singletary and maybe it pays off i'm gonna go on the side of you know i, I don't know who the fuck owns him at this point in their leagues but if you do you know you can pick him up on the waiver wire if you don't want to play him but he gets usage like this again where he's basically the only running back touching the ball you can feel good about starting him in your championship matchup at home against Atlanta where he should probably see 20 touches. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at this backfield. It's like, we've been through this fucking movie, this novel before so many times. And we're trying to rewrite it when we don't need, when it was fucking written in Sharpie to begin with. Y'all know what I'm saying? Cardinals Detroit, my favorite, My yeah, I'm low key going to get a Craig Reynolds, uh, Jersey, I think for no reason. I, actually, I did start him in a dynasty league playoff game against snacks. That le- that, uh, matchup is still up in the air, uh, on Arizona, man. I, I don't I don't really know what to take away from here. Um they got absolutely trounced by the Detroit Lions. Man, if I was a Detroit fan, I'd be super super excited for the future of this team. Tough tough pill to swallow with Jared Goff at quarterback, but like that they're like one piece away from probably being from turning this into like literally a 500 team next year, right? Like they have a pretty good defense, a good offensive line, great running backs, you know, an up and coming receiving group. They could probably use a really early first round pick on um on a receiver and really bolster this group, but I'm on Ross St. Brown's look really good. Every running back they they trot out there looks really, really good. And they just, every single time, it's just like, you just watch them play and you're like, dude, they, they like, you know, they're not fucking around and people are going to, I can't believe they keep winning games and losing and, you know, and like getting worse draft picks. Like, dude, you're trying to build a winning fucking culture. Like no one, you're no professional athletes going out there to throw games. Like I don't, it's such a dumb fucking argument. I hate when I hear people say shit like that. So shout out to Detroit, shout out the Lions. They deserve a, they deserve some some positive energy in the near future for them. Uh. Arizona, Chase Edmonds' first game back. It was mostly James Conner until like the third quarter, fourth quarter when things ended up getting away. Chase Edmonds looked good on the ground, though. Six for 53. James Conner only eight for 39. Neither of them scored a touchdown, which is pretty surprising given James Conner's three touchdown per game fucking rate. Conner was still pretty involved in the passing game. Caught the two targets for thirty-one yards, but Chase Edmonds only got a single target. I think this was just kind of a weird, wacky game where it's like we never really got to see what the game plan was. Arizona, so it's still tough to decipher like what to do with this backfield. Although Christian Kirk, I feel like he was a pretty easy start this week. I think I had him at like wide receiver twenty-six or something. With uh, DeAndre Hopkins out, we saw Christian Kirk at twelve targets, nine for ninety-four and a touchdown. Zach Ertz eleven targets. Um, keep forgetting. I have to zoom in for you guys to probably see this shit. Zach Ertz eleven targets, six for seventy-four. Uh, even AJ green kind of came through eight targets, four catches, 64 yards. So Christian Kirk, I think is pretty much, uh, a guy that's against Indy next week. That's kind of a tough, uh, tough match. They're actually not that good against the pass. Uh, Mac Jones just kind of lit them up. They're really good against the run, but not great against the pass. So you can, you can definitely fire up Christian Kirk as a wide receiver too. I think Zach Ertz will probably be like my tight end in the six to eight range. So both of them deserve to be in your lineups. AJ green, more desperate, but like still, still very, uh, Still very startable, I think, because DeAndre Hopkins is out. On the Detroit side of things, like, I'm on Ross St. Brown at this point because Hawkinson's out, uh, because Swift and Jamal Williams have been out. Like, you continue to start him for sure. He's gotten an unbelievable amount of targets over the last bunch of weeks, 11 targets in this one, eight catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Josh Reynolds, another another big day. I just, like, there's nothing in me that can say I want to start Josh Reynolds fucking ever. So, I'm on Ross St. Brown, for me, feels like the uh, – every, every week starter – Going forward, we will have to keep an eye on Swift and Williams. I mean, at this point, again, like I don't I, I think Craig Reynolds has like kind of showed enough to the point where it's like it might not even be worth bringing either of those guys back. Swift, we don't want to re-injure the shoulder. Jamal Williams kind of like, you know, pointless and, and redundant to the skill set here. But Craig Reynolds has looked fucking fantastic, man, for him to get 26 carries. In-
1: What's the easiest choice you can make?
0: this game 112 rushing yards would like to see him more involved in the passing game but you know what the fuck you gonna do godwin egwabuki whatever you say his name did lose a fumble in this one so maybe they go towards craig reynolds a little bit more in the passing game uh let's see they play atlanta next week and then seattle so it's like you know i've been saying this for a couple weeks i think that craig reynolds is gonna be more involved in fantasy than most people are giving him credit for right when Schefter came out and said that he liked him and then he said it's the same feeling he got with craig reynolds in week one when he said the same thing about Elijah Mitchell in San Francisco. And like, we're really seeing this come to fruition. So Craig Reynolds, again, if he's still on your waiver wire needs to be a priority ad, because I don't know if they're going to rush Swift or Jamal Williams back. Even if Jamal Williams is back, like they might just say like, Hey, you know, we want to see for next year who our running back two or running back three is because they got a lot of guys on the roster right now between Swift, Jamal Williams, Craig Reynolds, Jamar Jefferson and Craig Reynolds is definitely fighting for roster spots. They might just be like, let's fucking run this this big girl out for the for the remainder of the season and see if he can withhold or just jump Williams or Jamar on the on the depth chart. So I wouldn't be surprised if we just see Craig Reynolds just become the workhorse for the remainder of the season. Really? Jets, Dolphins, Um, disappointing return for Mr. Michael Carter, eight carries, 18 yards, only one catch on two targets. Tevin Coleman was. Uh, far too involved, but he outperformed Michael Carter. But, like, I mean, at the end of the day, you're just not starting a single player on the Jets. I do think it was, you know, it was his first game back. Um, next week they get Jacksonville, so Michael Carter is someone I think you can put into your lineups because we've seen what kind of ceiling he can have on a weekly basis. But, like, this was not a good start to his ultimate return to fantasy lineups, and uh, I'm not going to be ranking Michael Carter probably not within the top 25, maybe in like the RB30 range. So like you can get away with starting him, but I'm not super, uh, pleased about this performance. Obviously on the flip side of things, man, I was so fucking, ang- uh, you know, I started Tua in the Etown get down at 1259 PM. I flipped Tua in my lineup for Taysom Hill. Somehow ended up working out. He ended up scoring more points than Taysom Hill, barely, but as the game was going on, and Duke Johnson was getting these goal line carries and continue sorting touchdowns. I was like, we, you know, we were live streaming for the games yesterday. And I was like, if Duke Johnson gets into this fucking end zone, I'm turning the stream off. Like everyone's leaving my apartment and I'm shutting down. I might even shut down my entire YouTube channel. And he gets in a second time and I turn the fucking camera off. Lucky for you, all the wires are still connected. But Miles Gaskin, th- I think this is kind of a key takeaway here. here here's what I want to um, throw out on, the, on a fucking human to human level, right? All of these players are, are testing positive for COVID, okay? Um, and we're seeing this happen frequently where a player tests positive and his first game back from COVID, he does not, you know, play that much. He does not get a big workload. Like Duke Johnson, 22 for 107, two touchdowns, catches his only target for 20 yards. But Miles Gaskin, clear, clear backseat here. Uh, 10 carries, 54 yards, didn't get a single target. That was like his, his, his bread and butter over here, right? Catching passes. Now, I think this needs to be used as a tiebreaker at the minimum going forward. If a player had COVID and he does miss you know, more than one game or if he misses a game, which is you know two weeks or whatever, and he's having symptoms, I don't know how many of y'all have had COVID, right? But you can use a personal anecdote here. I had COVID and it made me really, really sick for like three to four days. I wasn't right physically, probably for like a month after that, right? Like physically... A lot of these players are pushing themselves as soon as they get that negative test to get back onto the roster. Uh, so Gaskin knows he could lose his job in a second. Like he doesn't have high draft capital pedigree or whatever. They might draft someone in the off season. They might keep Duke Johnson now, right? These guys, a lot of them who have um, experienced symptoms are likely experiencing symptoms once they also get back onto the field and a week or two into the future, if not more as well. Like from someone who had it and experienced it, it was it was fucking intense for a long time. So if we know that a player is experiencing the symptoms, he tested positive, And then, you know, oh, two weeks later, he's back on the active roster. There's a good chance he's still dealing with that shit. And uh, he's not able to perform as physically as well as he was in the beginning of the year, that he's not able uh, to take as much of a workload as he as he normally had been. So I think we just need to keep a super, super conscious mindset of that as all of these players continue to um, test positive and test positive. So if a player comes back in like four or five days, he probably didn't have any symptoms and he's probably good to go. But if we know a player had symptoms and he's out for a week or two weeks, there's a really good chance that first game back, he's going to be dealing with this shit. still. and I think this was like case in point number one and it happened now, Duke Johnson. Uh, he's a guy that like, man, this puts it in a, a super tough situation, but this was who Duke Johnson was at the University of Miami, right? Maybe he was just, like, getting back to his fucking weights back in Miami, dude. Like, maybe they, were, they gave him this workhorse role, and he just felt the energy from being back in Florida. He's Miami, the University of Miami's all-time leading rusher. There were some good fucking running backs that came out of Miami, man. Clinton Porter, like, these guys were legit, and he topped all of them. He had just never been given a chance to show what he was really about at the NFL level on a workhorse level. Let me put this screen back up for y'all. Um, and he blasted off, man. He looked good doing it too. So, I'm not gonna be surprised if he ends up taking over the workhorse role here. They play the Saints and then they play two road games now at New Orleans, at Tennessee. Two very, very, very tough run defenses. Okay, so the problem with Duke now is do we have a committee between him and Miles Gaskin going forward? And even if it's not a committee, Can we get any sort of effective play from Duke Johnson at New Orleans, at Tennessee? I mean, listen, this was against the fucking Jets. It was against the Jets. Him and Gaskin combined for 160 rushing yards by themselves on the ground, over five yards per carry combined. This was not unpredictable by any fucking stretch of the imagination, okay? Um, so I think that is like the hesitancy I have towards a guy like Duke Johnson, and there's still other running backs I would probably rather pick up off the waiver wire, which we will get to eventually. Uh, Devontae Parker did his thing as typical four for sixty-eight and a touchdown with uh, Jalen Waddle out. Jalen Waddle is biked next week. Uh, I will downgrade Parker. I think it, you know, they're, they're they're like one of the receiving groups I look at as like a committee. It really depends on who is playing the game because if Waddle's out, we know Parker's going to hit. If Parker's out, we know Waddle's going to hit. And you know, Kosicki got eight targets, didn't do much with them, but um, par for the course here. Cowboys, Giants. Uh, Tony Pollard back, twelve for seventy-four on the ground, more effective than Zeke. Zeke did get the uh, touchdown on the ground. I think it was like a ten or eleven-yard touchdown run, if I remember correctly. But kind of a disappointing performance um, from basically everybody else. CeeDee Lamb, six for 50. Michael Gallup, three for 32. And Amari Cooper absolutely disappears. Five targets, two catches, eight yards. And it begs the question, what do we do now? It's kind of just like an all-around downgrade for all of these skill players. They get Washington next week. So that is a good matchup through the air, a really tough matchup on the ground. So we're going to be downgrading Zeke in that one. I still think you look at CeeDee Lamb as a top 10, top 12 receiver. I think Amari Cooper probably falls into that wide receiver three-ish range. Same thing with Michael Gallup. I would rather start Cooper because I think he's a better wide receiver, but like it's, it's tough to trust either of these guys. Um, as far as the running backs, I still think you continue to start Zeke over Pollard, but Pollard is... Startable. Um, He was using this one. 15 touches is, you know, pretty fucking good for a backup running back. Giant side of things. Uh, Well, RIP to Sterling Shepard. who tore his Achilles and who knows where he goes from here in his career. He's a little bit on the older side. He came into the league a little bit older, but he was such a staple piece of this offense for a long time. I think, you know, this obviously let me actually check spoke track real quick and see what his contract situation was. uh okay so he signed a big deal four years 41 million locks him in through 2023 but they do have an out in the contract after this year they would still eat eight million dollars in dead cap but they would save five million dollars from doing it might be their best bet because i'm not really sure how an injury settlement works to be honest with you but torn achilles in week 15 probably not going to be ready for the beginning of the season might end up on the pup list so maybe that doesn't actually take up a roster spot i don't know 50 50 chance he ends up on the roster next year which means Kadarius tony's spot has kind of opened up enormous i already know that Kadarius tony is going to be one of my most rostered players in 2022 fantasy football for two reasons because you know everyone's gonna it, basically we only saw like one or two good games so no one's gonna be like too too high on him and everyone's just gonna be like he can't stay healthy uh but that's the perfect like the round 8, nine, ten, when you can get a guy with that type of ceiling, you know, even if he's only playing fucking half the games or 10 games or 12 games or whatever, anyone who can give you that type of ceiling in rounds 9, 10, 11 are so much more valuable than just like floor players, like where you were picking, you know, Jameson Crowder and Zach Moss and like all these players who have no upside, but you hit on Kadarius Tony for 70% of the games and he's one that can actually like win you weeks. So you'll get a really, really nice discount on Tony and uh, he'll, he'll present you with upside. Saquon Barkley, another fucking terrible, terrible game. 15 for 50 on the ground, 4 for 24 through the air on eight targets. I think he lost two fumbles, so his fantasy day was basically fucking zilch. Um, man, I don't... Saquon Barkley, he's, like, startable next week. They play, I want to say Philly, maybe. Yeah, they play at Philly, so tough ground defense. Actually, no, they're much tougher against the air, but still, like, Saquon is a flex play. Like, if you have, you know... Three, four better options than him, and you don't have to start him. He's definitely does not need to be started in your lineups going forward. Titans, Pittsburgh. You know what's crazy about this week? Like the crazy part about this week is like a lot of the times when you have dud weeks from star players, it's like at the expense of them, but to the luxury of other players. But entire teams just absolutely fucking dough-nutted, right? Like they dough nutted. We're gonna we're gonna change that. We're gonna put a siphon in there. Pittsburgh Steelers right like usually if Najee Harris has a terrible game probably means like Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool popped off if Joe Mixon had a terrible game it's probably because Jamar Chase popped off and and if Jamar Chase and T. Higgins both sucked it's probably because Joe Mixon got 32 carries and popped. you know what I mean but there was just like 50 percent of the teams just had absolutely nothing going from any 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 player um Titans another miserable performance all around from their passing offense Julio Jones tweaked his hamstring he was just done you know it's funny as hell I was watching uh Dr. Jesse Morris of the fantasy doctors, he does a weekly recap every Sunday night of all the injuries that happened in the NFL. And he, he got to Julio's and he was like, he was like the Tennessee Titans protocol for hamstring injuries is fucking terrible. I know it personally. And it's really, really bad. He's like, I'm going to reach out to Julio Jones's people. We need to get him stem cells in the hamstring. We're going to work together. This offseason. off season. I thought that shit was funny as hell. All right. Good story. Thanks guys. Uh, Deontay Foreman, 22 for 108, so he's the clear lead back here, and he's getting, like, the Derrick Henry workload. You continue to start him um, as a really, really rock-solid RB2. Honestly, kind of like borderline RB1, just given the amount of volume and the amount of injuries in the fantasy landscape right now. Uh, Nick Westbrook-Akini is, like, one guy I would probably hit the waiver wire for if you need a wide receiver because Julio Jones is going to be out and he becomes, like, the – you can't even attach the name Alpha to, uh, to his name the word alpha to his name, but he's someone I would look at, I guess. Pat Firmuth, I believe, suffered a concussion, which is like his second in three weeks, so he should probably take a long seat on a rocking chair and watch the remainder of the games from his 92-inch television. Um, nothing else going on. Chase Claypool, zero receptions. Deontay Johnson, down game. Najee Harris, man, like you can't sit Najee Harris because he gets like 100% of the running back touches on Pittsburgh, but that old line is so bad. Um, I think Tennessee's defense is extremely under underrated as well. So, you know, it's not like a great, great defense, but like Pittsburgh plays KC and they've been an improved defense. So you just can't really sit Najee Harris, man. That's the only takeaway here. It was a tough game, horrible offensive line. He has not been good the last few weeks. Um, but you don't really want to miss the game where he gets 28 touches and scores two touchdowns. So like he's in your lineup next week, unfortunately. Texans, Jags, Davis Mills looks, you know, okay. Again, uh, nothing else to take away other than you start Brandon Cooks if Davis Mills is the quarterback, which is the case the remainder of the season. So Cooks has strung together a bunch of really, really good performances. Mike, I feel like Brandon Cooks is seven for one hundred two and two touchdowns might have been like the single best fantasy performance on the entire week because everyone was so bad. Flip side of things, James Robinson finally gets his workload we've been waiting for uh, as Urban Meyer departs Jacksonville, 18 for 75 and a touchdown on the ground. uh, Six targets, very encouraging, three catches, 13 yards, production wasn't there, but overall 24 opportunities for the kid. And you are excited to put him back into your lineups again. And they play the, I want to say someone juicy. Yes. They play the jets next week. So James Robinson will definitely be back into that top 12 conversation. As far as fantasy running bikes go. Um, Laquan Treadwell continues to fucking eat there. If you are desperate for like a wide receiver three in a PPR league, 14, 16 teams or whatever, he can certainly be used because this is now like five or six games uh, strung together in a row where he's been usable in PPR leagues. Bengals, Joe Burrow, miserable day. Joe Mixon, miserable day. Jamar Chase, miserable day. T Higgins, miserable day. C. Joe miserable day. Samaja miserable day. Everyone fucking miserable days. Somehow get the dub because everyone on Denver, miserable day. Teddy Bridgewater, miserable day all right. Joe Mixon 17 for 58 on the ground. I, I what did he catch? One pass for 2 yards. Very cool. This was like the most Joe Mixon performance of all time. Just like one just getting you one yard at a time. As a fantasy owner, you're like, "Yes, there's another 0.2 points. There's another 0.1 points." Like if he rips off a 6-yard run, you're fucking he just like tripled the fantasy points that he had for the day for you. He does leave with an ankle injury. Okay, so he leaves with an ankle injury. He does return and he's on the field for the kneel down. So, I'm not really sure what this means. It's something you're gonna have to keep a really, really close eye on. It looked like he was pretty seriously hurt, but maybe it's not that serious. Maybe it's a low ankle sprain and he's day to day. Maybe you know, maybe it was just a, a quick tweak and it's nothing long term. But that would make Samaji P Ryan an absolutely, uh, you know, a priority pickup. Okay, like Samaji P Ryan, it, he automatically goes into a workhorse role that's like equivalent if not better than what Joe Mixon gets on the regular because this is a situation where it's like they're like no we'll never run a pass play for Joe Mixon but you get fucking 42 year old Samaji Pirine on the field and my god all I see is Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield it's actually sickening it is sickening it makes my stomach drop when I watch fucking pass down P. Ryan get onto the field but if Mixon misses this game and guess what? Like P. Ryan becomes a uh, kind of like a plug and play RB2. They do get a really tough matchup against Baltimore. Baltimore's good on the ground, terrible against the pass right now. They are a pass funnel team. So not a great matchup, but like P. Ryan needs to be picked up in case Mixon is out for next week. On the flip side of things, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, dude, the injuries over the last like month or two months of the season have been out of control in NFL. And I'm not talking about volume, I'm talking about like you know, we talk about quality versus quantity. And I'm not, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying right now. These are high quality injuries in, in the, in terms of like the depth of these fucking injuries, like the seriousness of the injuries, the number of dudes who have looked like they've straight up died on the football field over the last month of the season is more than I've ever seen in my life. Just like combined, right? Like the, the, the nearby hospitals have to be running out of wheelchairs. It makes no sense. Like people are just absolutely getting body bagged on the field. They're getting flatlined. And happened to Teddy B. He's out, of the, uh, he's out of the hospital, I believe. He's okay. Concussion, that kind of stuff. Drew Locke likely going to start next week. <sighs> Another one of the situations where um, people are going to look at, like, a one-quarter sample size and be like, Drew Locke loves his tight ends. Albert O., Noah Fan, both had good games. And, like, it doesn't actually mean anything in terms of predictiveness. So, you stay away from Judy. You stay away from, you stay away from basically every single player on the Denver Broncos if Drew Locke is under center. Noah Fant kind of stays where he has been for me as, like, a low tight end one, you know, probably in, like, the tight end 11, 12, 13-ish range in my rankings for next week. Um, So nothing really changes for me in this offense. They're going to, again, depend on their running backs as they have been all year. It's a 50-50 time split. They get the – let's check it out. They get the Las Vegas Raiders and then the Chargers. So two good matchups for running backs. I think you continue – you know, neither of these guys got in the end zone this week, but that is not the typical – um weekly box score for these guys i think you know they're a really good chance coin flip at worst to get into the end zone on most weeks so javante williams is going to be an rb2 melvin gordon probably a low-end rb2 as well um i think you can get both of them back in your lineup next week falcons niners let's see matt ryan just matt I i don't i don't i don't like think matt ryan knows how slow he is this dude tries to escape the pocket and he's like his stomach is, is – he just drank an entire cup of, of lean. Like, he's straight codeined up. Purple drank is, like, running through his pores when he tries to escape the pocket, and he doesn't know that because he does it every time. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, like, the most frustrating fucking thing I've ever seen in my life as a Falcons fan. But lo and behold, here we are, and Cordell Patterson gets absolutely – you know, when that first initial uh, one-yard touchdown run that he had got called back, the energy just got absolutely zapped out of my brain. That was it. I was like, I know everything is going – uh downhill immediately um immediately and um And we were, I was correct. 11 for 18 on the ground. Uh, again, just no involvement in the passing game for whatever reason. Two targets, five yards on two catches. Russell Gage, though, continues to come through, man. Eight for 91 on 11 targets and a tugger. He looked fucking great. He was literally mossing people. Russell Gage. I didn't think it was in his repertoire. But lo and behold, Russell Gage, in fact, is Randy Moss incumbent. Um, so you continue to put his ass in your lineup, man, because he's looked fucking great. They play Detroit next week and at Buffalo is tough tough matchup but we you know we'll cross that bridge when we get there um Kyle Pitts ends up with some garbage time plays four for 77 so it seems like that's kind of like the weekly thing for him it's just like not that good and then gets like one or two big plays at the end of the game where he pads the stats on the flip side it was you know Jeff Wilson was a guy that I, I said was a good start this week he had two disappointing games in a row but against the Atlanta Falcons like this game was never in doubt and they were going to just run and run and run and run and run Jimmy G throws the ball 23 times uh compared to 32 rushes for the team Debo Samuel continues to be a running back, six for 29 and a touchdown on the ground. This time, he actually catches four passes for 60 yards. George Kittle continues to be the absolute fucking goat. Um, But yeah, Jeff Wilson, 21 carries, 110 yards, any touchdown on the ground, two targets, two catches, nine yards. San Francisco plays against Tennessee next week and then Houston in week 17. I am nervous that Elijah Mitchell is not coming back for the remainder of the season. Basically, everything that Kyle Shanahan has said has been kind of pessimistic about it. If that's the case, and if they're in game script like this, which, you know, against Tennessee might be a little bit tough, I'm probably going to rank Jeff Wilson a little bit lower than consensus. But if he gets that Houston matchup week 17, man, there's no there's no cap on how many touchdowns this man can score in a game. Uh, Ayuk, super disappointing game. One catch, 36 yards. I, I don't really know what to tell you there. I'm sorry. I started him in the town get down, and honestly, that was like low-key, one of the best performers on my fucking team. Pathetic. Packers Ravens. This is a fun game. This is a really fun game. Rogers looks dynamite. Two sixty-eight and three touchdowns. Um, Marquez valdes Cantlin looked awesome, which we should have seen coming because like he has two great games and then as soon as he has a shit game, everyone gets off him, including myself. And then he has a baller fucking game. Five for ninety-eight and a touchdown looked really, really good. Devontae Adams shut down a little bit because they just kept double-teaming him, but six for forty-four and a touchdown was fine. No one else was really playable on this team. Backfield: Aaron Jones thirteen for fifty-eight on the ground. A.J. Dillon, only seven carries, 22 yards, but does get the goal line score early on. Aaron Jones does get in via the air, though. Two catches, 12 yards, and a touchdown. I think we kind of know exactly what this backfield is at this point. And it's a time split. You'd rather start Aaron Jones. Of course, they play Cleveland and Minnesota. So, you know, two matchups that are probably above average, a little bit tougher for running backs. But like you're starting Aaron Jones. Uh, A.J. Dillon is a little bit more skeptical to get into your lineups. Um, But if you're desperate, like he can he can be a flex play for you. On the flip side of things, Tyler Huntley looked fucking good, man. I hope he gets a shot somewhere to, to play a little QB, play a little ball, throw a pigskin around next year. He, he really just looked like Lamar Jackson out there, man. 215 yards through the air, two touchdowns on the ground, though. 13 carries, 73 yards, two touchdowns. So he comes away, I believe he's – I mean, he's got to be the number one scoring fantasy quarterback uh, on the week, if not the whole overall number one scoring player. What was it, week 15. 38 points let's go to uh yep 36 points by far and away the top quarterback no one even came close to scoring more points than him and uh, travis kelsey actually was super close if you do tight Titan premium then you're probably looking at something that's actually very very close okay um but tyler huntley man he was a base Continue to lock on to mark andrews Uh, Marquise Brown really didn't do shit they just kept dumping like when they were down in garbage time fourth quarter he just kept getting like two yard dump off after two yard dump off after two yard dump off so you start Mark Andrews obviously every single week Uh, Marquise Brown I think he's a player that you get into your lineups regardless if it's Huntley or Lamar Jackson but you just kind of lower expectations a little bit and he's more of a flex play where there probably are a handful of options on your bench that you might be able to actually start over Mr. Marquise Brown. One of the bigger takeaways though is the backfield split up here. Uh Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman. So Freeman had kind of seen his like workload be super steady for the last month or month and a half of the season. And we thought, you know, he kind of took over as the uh as the clear cut RB1 in the backfield. And then this game comes, and now you have zero fucking trust in starting Devonta Freeman. So he kind of needs to be not flirting with your fantasy lineups next week. Unfortunately, if you're using him as a flex play, because we don't know what we're going to get on the goal line. And now Latavius Murray outcarried him seven to six in this one. It's not a pretty, pretty, pretty sight. And we want to talk about the least fucking prettiest site possibly of all time. Then, uh, then the link to snacks Instagram is in the description. Goddamn Tampa Bay bucks, zero points, New Orleans saints, nine points, man. I, I had Brady and Chris Godwin going in the town get down against one chains. I'm gonna lose that matchup, by the way. I'm not gonna make the playoffs. It was sickening because he started off with Kelsey and then I still liked my matchup. After the one o'clock games go, he had like four or five players that kind of dudded out. So I'm like, oh fuck yeah, I just need a couple of good games for my four o'clock games. None of, all of them were horrible. They all scored like three to four points. Then the Sunday night game comes. and I need like a big game from Brady Godwin. Y'all know the rest. And it's so unfortunate because Godwin looked like he was on pace for another like 17 catch game. Uh, Mike Evans gets hurt. Leonard Fournette gets like if Godwin had stayed healthy, he probably would have put up like 25 points. Would help Brady have someone to throw to that can gain an ounce of fucking separation here. Uh, Just overall. Worst night of my fucking life. Not really, but I did wake up dead inside today. Taysom Hill, really disappointing game. I feel like we were all kind of waiting for the needle, the, the pin to drop here, and I had a really bad feeling about Taysom Hill this week. I just figured, like t- I said it last week, I was like, Brady's gonna be in the defensive game plan meetings, and he's gonna he's gonna know how to stop Taysom Hill, and uh, and we saw it come to fruition. I started to over him, and it ended up being the right call, but like fucking barely. Um, but New Orleans plays Miami next week, and Miami's defense has been actually really really good. But I think you could probably start Taysom again. In super flex leagues, I'm probably not throwing him into my lineup. If you're in a one quarterback league, there will probably be enough players that you like ahead of him. Um, maybe we can give uh, him versus Brady. Brady plays Carolina. I would actually play Taysom Hill against Miami at home against Miami over Tom Brady next week because Brady's going to be without Godwin and Evans. So, Kamara's first game back, wildly disappointing. 11 carries, 18 yards on the ground, two catches for 13 yards to the air. It's just a game you kind of throw away and look forward to next week. Obviously, can't start any pass catchers there in New Orleans. Big game for Marcus Calloway, but you can't trust that at all. Uh, again, the big takeaways from Tampa Bay. Godwin, knee injury, out for the remainder of the regular season. Mike Evans, hamstring injury, probably out one to three weeks. Leonard Fournette, also going to be out probably one to two weeks. So Ronald Jones becomes a priority to the highest degree pickup. Uh, Gio Bernard, I know he went to the IR, but I'm not sure if he's eligible to return or not. Set to miss time with MCL hip injuries. That was about a week ago. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to see Gio and Keyshawn Vaughn look so bad last night that Ronald Jones might be like an 80% snap player. And we've seen what that could do for Mr. Leonard Fournette. So in my opinion, Ronald Jones becomes the number one waiver wire pickup this week with, you know, as long as Leonard Fournette is actually slated to miss time, which I believe everything I've read is the case. Chris Godwin out. Now, a lot of uh moving parts again for the wide receiver group here. Really disappointing day for Gronk, who had 11 targets, but only caught two of them. He should have a monster, monster blow up stretch here. He might be a league winner for the fantasy playoffs. But with Godwin out and um and Evans out, Tyler Johnson was the wide receiver one in Tampa Bay. He is a super athletic player. He went to Minnesota with Rashad Bateman. Them two together in a in that fucking conference it was unfair for defenders trying to go against him. The big notes here, of course, are Antonio Brown and Rashad Perriman are both going to be bike in the lineup, likely next week. Antonio Brown, if he is available on your waiver wire, which he actually is in a couple of my redraft leagues. I know in the E-Town get down, he was dropped because whoever had him didn't want to hold on to him, didn't think he was going to, you know, stick it out or or come back this season. Now with the circumstances changing, Antonio Brown is going to be back. Antonio Brown is my number one waiver wire pickup in all of fantasy this week. Antonio Brown over Ronald Jones for me is something I would do. Maybe if it's just a standard league, I would go Rojo, but my top two pickups are going to be on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for right now barring any like other news that we hear over the next, you know, couple hours, couple days whatever. But Antonio Brown will slot immediately into an alpha for Tom Brady when he does have when he doesn't have anyone else to throw to. I would also take brashad perriman likely over tyler johnson what i would do as you know what i said earlier in this video about the COVID thing brashad perriman missed this game with the COVID uh ir i'm gonna do some research on brashad perriman i don't know if it was like w- what the case may be or if he had symptoms but i'm gonna look into that because if he did there's a chance that again he comes onto the field less than 100 and tyler johnson kind of takes over or two role. but we remember brashad perriman pretty sure he like won people championships i'm actually pretty sure Yes, two years ago – no, because I lost the Snacks in the Eton Get Down playoffs last year. Two years ago, I was in the championship against One Chains, and Rashad Perriman dropped like 25 points on me. Yes, that's how it went. Um, Rashad Perriman might be a very big part of this offense. I, I, you obviously want Brown over Perriman, um, but between Perriman and Tyler Johnson, I just feel like Perriman, for whatever reason, has the trust of this team. So if he is back from the IR, from COVID IR – then I prefer him as my wide receiver to in Tampa Bay. If he's not though, Tyler Johnson becomes super fucking intriguing as a free agent uh, and as a waiver wire pickup, but a lot of players to pick up here in Tampa Bay. And that's where you're blowing the $0 fab that you have left. Woo. Okay. That'll wrap it up. Um, for some reason, I thought that was going to be shorter because there weren't as many games and I realized there was no bye week. So all the games, even being on Thursday, Saturday, moved to Monday and Tuesday, didn't actually make a motherfucking difference. All right. Let me see what I'm doing over here. Let's fuck around with the Chizzy. Chizzy chat for a bit. I picked up Rojo earlier this week when Lenny was supposed to. Yes, that's a great, that's a great fucking move. Um, I think I said to do that on one of my videos, and I tried to do a knee town get down, but the animal actually beat me to it. It didn't matter because neither of us are making the fucking playoffs. Um tough scene. So whoa, is that true? Eckler just got put in COVID. What did I miss here? Why is this not popping up on my fucking f- timeline immediately? Oh, Joey Bosa, Austin Eckler, and Corey Lindsley on the COVID list. Um. They play Chargers play on Sunday Oh, against the Texans. Fuck. What a beautiful matchup that will be as long as Eckler is cleared. If Eckler is not cleared. I think we all like Justin Jackson more than we like Joshua Kelly. He's a better running back. Showed it last week. Got more touches. Actually got more touches than Austin Eckler. Uh, 13 for 86 on the ground. Only saw one target, but Josh Kelly didn't see any. So Justin Jackson comes to play there. That's uh, that's big-time news. Phew. All right, big homies. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. For this week's recap video, Um, I will be dropping tomorrow's waiver wire video, as always, 5 a.m. Eastern time, bright and freaking early. So bring your pile of sticks, bring your coffee, bring your Adderall, bring whatever you need to do to wake up and live this shitty life. Because we'll be there. So subscribe to the channel if you're new and make sure you go hit underdog. All right. Keep a close eye on Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith because we are nailing this prop if they are outs. All right. And if not, then we hit Mooney, over 51.5 receiving yards. Promo code BDGE when you're a first-time depositor. Link first in the description. I love y'all. I'm out. Hit the thumbs up button if you enjoyed.
2: Goodbye.